Hey, what's up, mi gente? Welcome back to the Chicano Logs. We are here today. Folks, um, before I get into um, our amazing guest today, super exciting, um, I want, want to tell you a little bit about who we are. So the Chicano Logs is really just a podcast hosted by me, Gerardo Munoz, a Chicanito from the east side of Denver, who is just trying to understand where he fits with his gente. And so as I have kind of worked on understanding my own positionality in this work, I'm an educator, uh, like many of my guests are educators. Um, it's just really cool to kind of get in spaces and dialogues with other members of our raza who are centering their identities and who can kind of really show that we're not a monolith, that there's a lot of different folks like us. Um, really excited to do that. Uh, we are brought to you by Satera Investors, so make sure that you are checking out the great work that uh, Tori and Alex are doing out in the great state of pa great state. That's not a state. This great city of Pasadena, um, as they are helping educators at every income level and at every level of experience plan for their future. This is the first time you're uh, catching the Chicano logs on your podcast player. Welcome. Welcome to Two Dope Nation. We are a Two Dope production. Um, and uh, you can support our podcast by following us on social media. We are on X and Instagram at Two Dope Teachers. You can find us on Facebook. You can also find us on TikTok. We don't really do anything there yet. I'm a little intimidated by TikTok. Not, not just a thing that I do. I think there's one TikTok of me. It's there and it was put up by Alas. Um, and that's like it. So, um, but you can find us there if you have feedback or show ideas, twodopeteachers at gmail.com. And if you want to support BIPOC created independent media and storytelling, head over to patreon.com slash twodopeteachers, um, where for as little as $5 a month, you can keep the lights on. And folks, you could get this sticker for $15 a month. So uh, pledges at this $15 a month level get you this sticker. Well, I'm like, I've been so excited. Like, I couldn't sleep last night. I'm like, man, we're going to do this. We have this phenomenal guest, superintendent extraordinaire, award-winning superintendent in all-around vibe personified, Sandra Jo Galvan. Welcome to the Chicano Logs. Ah, thank you so much, Gerardo, for allowing me to share this space with you this day. Oh, my God. The, the honor's all mine. Like, and, you know, so you and I met at the ALAS conference, the Association of Latino Administrators and Superintendents in uh, the great city of San Antonio. Shout out San Antonio for being a great host, even though it was raining. We're not even mad at you, though. And uh, we had a chance to just like speak and just enjoy all the culture around us down there. And, um, you know, I had seen you in Puerto Rico um, last year, but didn't really get a chance to speak with you. I knew from that moment that I first saw you that you had to had to have your story out here in front of the audience. And um, and then we had this great conversation on, I think, the second night there that just really uh, lit a path for me, like professionally. And I'm even going to lie. So I so the honor is all mine to have you here today. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. We just do what we can to, you know, uh, engage in conversation, learn about people, see what they're passions are and encourage them to live out those dreams. And so it's just an honor to be here. So thanks yeah. for having me. Beautiful. Well, first, so they got me. Um, tell me who you are. Like, how do you identify just who is Sandra Jo? Yeah. So I'm a small town girl out here on the central coast in California, uh, Monterey County. So we're a very rich Salinas Valley agricultural community. Um, 
grew up in this beautiful community that I get to be the superintendent of, went to my schools, you know, graduated, went off to college, came back to be a teacher right here, uh, did that for many, many years, then became an administrator um, in another community, and then came back seven years ago to be uh, the superintendent here. So I kind of um, have broken the, the defied the law of gravity, I think, with the <laughs> amount of years that superintendents have been surviving. Yeah. Uh, this is my seventh year, and I'm, I'm really excited about that. And I think, um, you know, so many things I want to share with you today is about, you know, just the secret sauce when it comes to the leadership, when it comes to Latinos and, and how we lead differently from others. I, you know, I can't wait to sh uh, share that today with you um, and what we do with our communities and how we yeah. just love on our people um, is a really big thing. But um, just to let you know about who, you know, who I am, I'm a Mexican American, so proud of my Mexicano roots, my grandparents, you know, crossed the border years and years ago to come to Texas. So somos Texanos okay. también. Yeah, my uh, mom and dad were born and raised in West Texas in a little small town called Snyder. Um, okay. And then my five oldest brothers and sisters were all born um, in Snyder, except for me. I was born out here in, in California. Okay. And so um, I'm the only little Cali girl, but I will <laughs> share with you um, in our experiences you know, my dad didn't have um, necessarily the best upbringing in West Texas. You know, it was during the time of a lot of prejudice um, yeah. and a lot of you know mistreatment of, of Mexicanos. And so he's a very dark skinned Latino. My mom's yeah. a very light skinned Latina. There I turned go. out color tone like mama. But yeah. um, my dad experienced a lot of prejudice, which is why he brought our family out to California in the 60s. And so, you know, little, yeah. little things are very, very much true to our culture. Um, no matter what kind of Latino you are, I think there's a degree of uh, that we experience um, that allows us to be who we are and open doors for others. And so, yeah, it's a little bit about me and my background. I love it. I love it. I was going to say, you you don't give off Texas vibes. You give off California vibes. So like <laughs> yeah. definitely a Cali girl, but I can see that. Um, the, the, the type of joyous pride that you bring is really um, obvious. And, and I think a lot of What's what's so amazing, and I know you've you've probably been in Alas for a good amount of time. What is so striking to me is that that type of experience, where where our parents went through really difficult things, they put the foundation for us to do something a little bit better. And then the way that we lift as we climb, like I think you just really embody that. And it's not even like it's not even like just do doing material things to help people get a leg up, just the type of encouragement that you give in that energy definitely is there. So I want to know, because I think everybody listening to this show, first of all, is going to be really jealous that you're not their superintendent and <laughs> jealous that you also weren't their teacher. And so you're an ele elementary school teacher. What was it that made you decide that you were going to go into teaching? And, and I am also really interested uh, later on in the show, we'll talk a little bit about what it's been like for you to teach, to lead the district that you attended. Cause I'm kind of in the, in a similar thing. I'm not like you, but like kind of in a similar thing, but what was it that brought you into teaching? Oh, great question. And so this again, <laughs> is going to go back to family. I think um, for me, family is everything. I just adore, um, you know, my parents, my brothers and my sisters, and then just I, our upbringing also in terms of, you know, how we give off and, and how we love on others and how we embrace as a culture. 
you yeah. know, Latinos are very embracing of others. We want to be very inclusive. We want to make sure that, you know, everyone's fed, they're happy, they're taken right. care of. And I think it's just the nurturing um, that we receive at a very young age and, mm -hmm. and that love we want to give to others. And so I will share that the reason I got into teaching is because of my oldest sister. Um, okay. So she's the oldest. Uh, her name is Debbie. And then I'm the youngest. Um, and oh, so the there's 16 <laughs> years. I'm the baby. There's 16 years between her and me. Mm. And there's five, you know, there's four siblings in between us. But whatever she was going to do, I was going to do. Like whatever she was going to be, I just adored her. Aww. She was like our second mom, you know, yeah. just really her personality is very much like mine. I think I, I take after her in a lot of ways. And so she went off to college when I was just a little baby going to school here. And, you know, I yeah. wanted to go to college too. You know, I saw in her at an early age, what I would aspire to be, you know, she wow. went to San Jose state university, which is an hour and a half from here. But I remember as a little girl going and visiting her with my mom and my dad. And she's like, you know, it's tough for Latinos to allow our kids to go off to college, you know, too. Um, right. And so we had that experience of like, wow, you know, they're allowing her to leave us. And, you know, I saw that and I got to visit her college and I was like, oh my gosh, I want to come here. Yeah. You know, I want to do this. And so then when she came back to Greenfield, she was a teacher here mm. and I was a grader. I was only 10 years old and she was teaching on the same campus. Wow. And so I would sneak. Yeah. The family affair, would, like a true family oh. affair. Absolutely. I would sneak when I was 10 years old at lunch rather than going and playing with my friends, which I did do that too, but I would sneak down to her kindergarten class oh. and I would read stories <laughs> to the kids. And it was like magic. It was like, oh my God, this is like a grand stage. All the kids are listening to you. Like I get all this attention because, you know, you being the baby, you kind of already grew up like that. <laughs> and I fell in love with it. I fell in love with teaching when I was only 10 years old and yeah. I wanted to do that from an early age. And then just about the kind of person I am, like, I don't even think I'm big energy, but everybody, like you say like, oh yeah, she's big. Energy. I don't even think that because it's no. all I know. Mm. It's all I know, you know, in a family, when you're the baby, you're fighting and competing for attention because everyone's making noise. You kind of yeah. just that way. And then seeing people smile when you're able to interact with them and, you know, just love on people. And that way I learned that from my mom uh, about just being a giver, grew up in the church, you know, first Southern Baptist church and just yep. um, giving to other, making food for others, making them blankets, you know, right. visiting people, visiting the little old folks home. Like we learned that from an early age that when you give to others, you get back so much more. And yeah. I learned that from my family too. Yeah. It's so interesting because I think when we talk about things like representation, right, oftentimes it's coming from a position of we didn't have this representation and that's why we need to address questions of representation. I think the other side of that is stories like yours. So, so mine was very much like I don't see anybody else like me. I didn't see anybody like I had one um, I had a I had a drafting teacher in middle school who was a Latino, but that was it. I didn't have any teachers that were gente mm -hmm. until my second year of college. And so for me, I always come at it from the perspective of this was missing for me, so I don't want it to miss for other people. But then there are folks like you who are kind of like, nah, this is yeah. the air I breathe and others need to be breathing this air as well. I don't know anything different yeah. than having 
a role model who was like, who was literally family, who I could look up to in these classrooms. I don't know anything other than this radical, unapologetic joy, because that's just what I was always around. And so I think it's a really important thing for us to remember out here in these education streets that like, it isn't just that we're trying to, it isn't only that we're trying to reverse historical wrongs, we're actually aspiring to live our true and authentic selves. And I, I think that's so powerful. Yeah, yeah. Because like you, you want to be your true self and you don't want to hide uh, in the shadows of anything that's not you. Because once you, uh, when, when you can't live out your authenticity, when yeah. you can't be truly who you are and to walk into spaces, it doesn't feel good. And then that's where we see so many other, you know, traumatic experiences that students endure, even adults endure because they're not seen, heard and valued for who they are. Yeah. And it's so important for us to create spaces like that. And I will tell you, you know, I'm a light-skinned Latina. I mm -hmm. have privilege. I know that. I know that and I don't take it lightly. And, and yeah. I'm often mistaken for white and I get that. But it's what we do with our positionality and how we use it to open doors for others. Because yeah. I will tell you, I do remember in my entire life, always uh, a moment where I've seen and experienced um, racism against our culture sure. because of colorism. Yeah. Like I remember going to school here in my district as a young girl and my dark skinned amigas y amigos that just crossed the border from Mexico were in the back of the room coloring sheets and yeah. didn't know the language and therefore the teacher didn't either. So they didn't engage in the lessons or the learning. And yeah. I think that is often historically the story that many will share because they didn't know the language yet. That didn't mean they weren't smart. They're incredibly intelligent. Yeah, yeah. Their primary language. And yeah. so I've learned that. And then also in high school, you know, I was bused to the neighboring town. And I remember, you know, going over the, the opportunities that were afforded to me, you know, placed in a college prep class, placed in these high level honors classes where I had incredibly smart, you know, colleagues and, and students, yeah. uh, you know, peers peers that weren't even offered the opportunity. Yeah. Um, and I'll go even a step further. One thing that I do right here in Greenfield, every single year, every single child in our district go to a college or a university. We write that into our plan because I want them to step on a campus and yeah. feel the vibe of, Such a difference. of that kind of learning. Like, oh my yeah. God, like to know and feel that this is possible for you. And I will share with you that that didn't happen to me. I never, ever visited a college or a university as a young student growing up in this community. Yeah. And so that's how we take our lived experiences and transform them and re revolutionize them into something that will inspire the hopes and dreams of this next generation that we have the power to, you know, really lift up and, and create those opportunities for yeah. yeah, I love that. And I, lo I love the, the critical self-awareness. Like I, my my mother is white. My dad is a is a Mexicano who came here from Mexico City in the early 70s. And, um, you know, just understanding the complexities of identity and 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 the privileges that 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 some of us have um, is, is really profound. And, and I think that like leading from that Point of view is so important it's it's not easy to do that's why you don't see everyone doing it um and i think that's just really powerful um so let, let's talk a little bit about this 
experience this professional and personal arc that you've had where you attended school in your district and in your district if I, if my research is correct close to 90% like gente in in your district is that the demographics yeah so that you is, that is yeah. correct but i do want to hear about this experience of attending school teachings you know becoming a teacher and then leading in the in the same district you are leading the district where little sandra joe was was a kid what what's that like yeah. oh. oh my gosh it's magic <laughs> it's so magical it, it's on so many different levels as leaders we already care about the kids that you know we are serving in our districts already so that's one step but when it's the place that you went to and you sat in the same chairs as the young little latina girls and boys it's different there's a level of responsibility of what i bring in to the district to ensure no. that we don't get a chance to mess this up like mm. our kids and our families And again, my families here are 90 to 95% unduplicated count of parents and families in poverty. So yeah. that's another layer of responsibility. Um, and multiple families living in one, you know, home or place of residence also. So the incredible responsibility of bringing programs in that are going to change their lives is first and foremost, so incredibly um, important and rewarding. But I will tell you the most special part of it is walking into classrooms and being able to sit side by side by the children and, and let them know, like, I am you, you are me, and you're going to be able to do whatever you want. And whatever that is, tell me, tell your teachers, tell your principals, because we want to make sure that we provide that opportunity for you to be able to achieve that. And never, ever, ever let anyone tell you that you can't. You have immense potential to be whatever you want to be. And being able to say that, you know, as we talk about conversations and just chats with people, while no single conversation, you know, can change um, everything, it can change the life of a child and inspire them to continue to move forward. And so yeah. every conversation is just so important when I get to be in front of kids yeah. or next to them. That, that's really yeah. deep and that's that's a thing that I'm I'm working to navigate in my in my new role in a leadership position in my district because I was born 10 minutes away from my from the office building that I work in um like I can literally like walk there in about you know in about half an hour or so but the thing is that I also I also live and work and attended school in one of the most segregated cities in the country. I mean, Denver is, I don't know if you know this, Denver is incredibly segregated. So when people get a limited experience, like they go to one part of Denver, they're like, wow, there's not a lot of diversity here. It's like, well, it's because it's on paper, but it's all really yeah. different. So one of the things that's hard for me is oftentimes when I go to, when I do site visits, when I'm talking to students or teachers, remembering some of the harm that people like me, like my peers experienced and just kind of working through that. And so for you to come into these spaces with the type of joy that you bring is really powerful. And, and as you were speaking, I remembered the, um, 
the one time we had a Latina superintendent, I think I was in fourth or fifth grade, Patricia Vaca. I remember her and I remember that she had gotten injured in a car accident and I think had to retire. But I just remember like, hold up, that's like, that's someone kind of like me and, and it meant a lot at the time. But, you know, to be able to move past the historical harm that we know that education has done and enact change is really powerful. What's something that you feel in Greenfield is really different now than from from when you were a student in Greenfield? Because I imagine you're in a position where you can kind of look at it and say, no, literally, I have actually made a difference and I can tell you where it is. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. I think it's the conceptual and the hands-on learning that is so much more opportunity, like opportunities for our kids to understand language. Um, we do have mm. a large English learner population. And so yeah. that conceptual understanding of hands-on learning is so important. Um, so some of the things that we've able, been able to do over the last seven years um, is bring in um, a lot more robotics, lots more inspiring, innovative things. And so yeah. We've um, mapped out um, the industries that are prevalent in Monterey County, and some of those are computer science and robotics. And yeah. so we backwards map those experiences for kids so that all the way down to preschool, they're building, they're engineering, they're designing innovative types of creations. And then they start coding with robots um, as early wow. as first and second grade. And then we move that up the line. And so some of the beautiful things, you know, due to just my connection with people and, you know, really on social media a lot and posting the kinds yeah. of things that we're doing, you know, people notice and they're like, well, you know, what are they doing in that? We'd love to be a part of that. And so right. we have a partnership with Apple Education. We have wow. a partnership with Lego Education. We're a partner with FIRST, which is the um, international uh, for inspiration, robotics, science, and technology um, kind of corporation organization. Yeah. We also um, applied and got into the League of Innovative Schools, the Digital Promise National Initiative, um, yeah. AASA, which is a national you know, superintendent's organization is coming to Greenfield to visit us in April. So superintendents and um, you know, leaders from all districts across the nation in a cohort are going to be coming right here to see what the secret sauce is behind, wow. you know, what does and our all means all, you know, really um, love of kids to make sure that we don't leave any kid behind. And I think um, really for me is I don't want programs to only serve one small population. Sure. Um, I was a gate student you know, back in the day here in Greenfield, and I got to do things that other kids didn't get to do. Yeah. And that was that kind of saddened me. Like, why am I only the one that is predetermined to be successful when they leave school? I think right. every student should be predetermined to be successful and a zip code, you know, should never predetermine what they're going to do. And so for me, every school, every single teacher, every single child gets a guaranteed viable curriculum. What we do yeah. for one space, we're going to do for the other. We don't wow. pick and choose who yeah. gets to succeed in world in life, right? We're going to yeah. make sure that every kid has that opportunity. And so those are the things with this all means all really mentality is that everyone gets it, not just yeah. one kid. Yeah. It's powerful because I think, A, that's one of those things that's easier said than done, right? A lot of people will say it. But in terms of enacting it in a way that reaches directly into classrooms, what you're describing is huge. And of course, you can sit here and say, 
been here my whole life, but didn't used to have this. We have this now, and that's got to feel really good. The all means all thing is really interesting. I was in a conversation with um, one of my colleagues who works in technology services here, and one of the things we were discussing is kind of it's exactly what you are referring to, which is we remove the predictability um, that comes yeah. with a person's racial identity, socioeconomic background, geography, and you know, so we don't do programs for whom it doesn't for for kids who who it doesn't move the needle for. We do it for the ones that that it moves the needles for, and then eventually it kind of gets out to everybody. Well, this is it's pretty clear then that um that you should be an award winning superintendent, and you are recently yeah. selected as a la superintendent of the year. And I'm here to tell you, folks. Like this, there's a lot of competition for this. Like, not that it's a competition, but there are so many people in the ALS organization who are making an impact that would merit superintendent of the year. What's that experience been like for you? It's fairly recent, right? That you that you received this distinction. How's that been? Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's just a beautiful thing. Um, super honored, incredibly humbled to be selected. And again so many deserving superintendents across the nation. And to be able to be selected, it was extra special. Um, when it was announced, I was blown away. You know, I didn't I didn't even believe, like, I'm like, are you sure? Are you sure? I think I, I, think I asked the planning committee or the selection committee, are you sure? You got the right girl? But what, what, what? Because we do this work regardless, right? We're going to just yeah. love on our kids and, and lead with a tender heart and, you know, just really everything that we want to make sure happens. And so to get an award like this is just, a wow, like just wow, you know, thank you so much. I, I just appreciate that. And then the love, the outpouring across the nation of my friends and family that, you know, we're just so joyous. I think that made it even more special because they see the work that we do every day and they know it's hard and they know it's an incredibly, um, you know, responsible work, but also very rewarding. I think that was just really special to hear that. And so being yeah. able to become podcasts like this and to talk about the things that we get to do, yeah. you know, to get that recognition, not only for myself, but just really for Greenfield. You know, I, I wouldn't be able to get this if I wasn't able to lead an incredibly amazing district, you know, led by an amazing board that supports me, awesome teachers, just brilliant parents that just want the best for their kiddos. Um, yeah. And just a team, like a community that, that respects the work that I get to lead with our teams um, and allows me to do that. You know, that's yeah. the most important. The trust that they place in us um, is something that we don't take for granted. And yeah. so really, really happy to be a recipient and really happy to represent Greenfield. Yeah. And I and I just I, I love that you're framing this and rightfully right as something that you receive, but that came as a result of of a community that has consistently come together for kids and that everyone is working towards the same thing. And I think that can be lost in some districts where there's political acrimony, there's like, there's age old, like resentments that never get attended to. But, you know, the story you're telling is one that it's not just that you are an award-winning superintendent because you have an award-winning district full of award-worthy people. Um, and the other thing I, I get from this, it, it, I had to laugh when you said that you thought this was some kind of a mistake. So when I was nominated for Colorado Teacher of the Year, um, I reported the email as spam. 
Oh, and I'm funny. like, this is ridiculous. Like, who is sending this? And so they had to like call me and say, yes, we can't email you for some reason. Is there another email? I'm like, oh, that was real. <laughs> and so the, <laughs> the same way that you kind of, you yeah. said it, because again, looking around the city of Denver, I'm like, I, I'm not even one of the five best teachers in my building, let alone in the entire state of Colorado. But again, it's that experience of saying they picked me to represent the teachers and the communities that we serve and, and humbling is a really great word for it. I get the sense that the work is not finished with you yet. And when we come back from a really quick break, um, I want to hear about things that you still have left to do. It's not that Sandra Jo Galvan has anything to prove, but she's still got work to do. And you will hear that in a second. Um, in the meantime, want to let everybody know about our advertising partners, uh, Cetera Investors, LLC, uh, the homies, uh, Alex and Tori, all they want to do is uplift our gente and our people and help us build generational wealth where we didn't have any. So typically the way you build generational wealth is when you're born with it and then you don't have to build anything. It's just there. Well, Alex especially has found a way to give all people, especially teachers, even teachers who are just trying to scrape by across the country, a way to start building some generational wealth. So if you go to Satera Investors LLC, um, they are in the show notes, click on that link, put in the promo code 2DOPE, and uh, Alex will hook you up with a discount on some of the services that, that they offer. Uh, Sandra Joe, did you have a way to build generational wealth when you were a brand new teacher? No, <laughs> did I? I'm still working on that. I got so excited when I got my first teaching job because I was a broke college student and that's a whole other thing. I, I got so excited. I'm like, y'all are going to give me $25,000 a year, a year. That's crazy. But I was definitely I not putting money away. <laughs> right. But they pay yeah, you in Cali, I right? Y'all make big money in Cali, right? <laughs> oh, not really. I remember I my know. first job saved and it was like, I got it all in ones. I said, I want all my $900 in ones, please. <laughs> because I just want to like bask in it. Just throw, <laughs> throw them up in the air, swim in it like a rapper, like I'm that rich, kind of thing. Rich. <laughs> yeah. Well, so if Alex and Tori had been around when you and I were first year teachers, they would have been able to help us put some stuff away. But I don't think they were born yet. They're extremely young. But, you oh, know, the the youth movement they have in financial planning is really powerful. So hit them up. They're actually going to be on the show in a couple of weeks. Uh, Alex doing his uh, financial planning work. And Tori does this amazing work of um, uplifting and empowering uh, women of color entrepreneurs. So uh, check them out. Satera Investors LLC. And we're back. Sandra Joe is still here. Y'all don't know how hard it was to like nail down this interview um, because Sandra Joe is as she is as busy as she is enthusiastic. <laughs> and so like so we would have these exchanges. Let's do that show. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's yes, find so time. What time? Where are we going to find time? It's really difficult. So it's just like it's so beautiful that you're here with me today. Um, I know the audience is absolutely going to love you. So um, so I want to jump around on a couple of these questions. 
Um, before we kind of go into some of the other things you're working on, because as if it's not enough to be a transformative superintendent winning awards, you do other things too that are having an impact for our gente. But you've got this award, and I noticed one thing with people around me and people that I've observed winning like State Teacher of the Year awards. There's one of two approaches. It's either the finish line or it's a starting line. And I don't judge either of those things. When we get these recognitions, it is usually after a lot of really hard work that comes from the heart. But I know for a fact, because I follow you on social media, that you are not finished yet. What's something that you still feel that you have left to do despite the successes, despite the things you put in place, and despite the the honors and the awards that you have received? Yeah, so I would say... Gosh, there's so many things that is still left in in life to give. Of course. Of course. <laughs> yeah. mm. So I'll go with just what are we passionate about? You know, as your listeners are thinking about, you know, what is something that fulfills you so much and what are your passions? I go there. Like, what is it that I want to continue to work on because um, it brings value to others? And so for me, within this district in Greenfield, I'll start with that. I really want to make sure that the opportunities that are afforded to the students are preparing them for a future. So with that is the innovative technology and the things that we get to bring in. And so I um, was very fortunate to be selected as a um, Google Silicon Valley fellow. So I'm doing a fellowship right now um, with Google. And there was only mm. 25 of us selected across the nation. And wow. so that's really big deal. And in that avenue, I'm able to meet with colleagues across the nation and really look at a problem of practice. And so we're looking at artificial intelligence, wow. virtual reality. We're looking at transformational learning, um, just the technologies that we've not even seen yet. And yeah. being able to have those brought in at the cusp of Greenfield yep. and being able to take kids to visit the Google Compound, which is only an hour away from our school district. Ah, yeah. Yeah, Silicon Valley, what's it all about? And say like, wow. Like I could work here. Yes. Yes, you can. We're going to make sure that it happens for you. If that's what you so choose, you can do that. So things like that within this school community, I'm really excited about, you know, being part of that fellowship. Um, another thing that I'm not yet done with is mentoring and giving back. Like I love mentoring aspiring superintendents to want to do this work. Um, I knew I wanted to do this when I was in seventh grade. I was only 13 years old. Yeah. 12 years old, and I knew I wanted to do this. Wow. Like I asked my teacher, you know, what is, who's the boss? <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, who's their boss? No, but who runs like, this? Pretending uh, <laughs> like who runs everything? I'm going to do that. You know, and see, like, but you didn't ask who is the superintendent's boss. <laughs> no, I, I that know, was something right? you had to learn. That part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I want to do that. Like I want to yeah. make impact. I want to do things and make dreams come true for kids. And so with that, I want to inspire the next generation of superintendents. How do I do that? Well, right now I get to mentor for ASA, for ALAS. I get to mentor um, a cohort of Latino, Latina aspiring superintendents and a cohort of female superintendents. Wow. So I'm getting to live that dream right now. And I meet with women and men that want to do this work. And I, I mentor them. You know, wow. we get on a Zoom call, we talk about life. They talk, ask me questions about my job and, yeah. you know, what are the pitfalls? What are the jo greatest joys? And I get to do that. So yeah. I'm not done with that. And, and right here behind me, I'm a Trojan, California, USC. There you go, Southern Cal. 
<laughs> I'll be graduating on May 8th with my doctorate. So I'll be Dr. Galvan. It's so funny because I like I was I almost asked you if I should be yeah. calling you doctora and I had no idea. Congratulations. That is so, amazing. So the exciting. And, and that's just another thing like I'm not yet done with getting my education. Like I love going to school. I love learning. Yeah. I love I love inspiring. I love getting inspired by really cool people that I want to be like. Um, yeah. And it just goes to prove like having a doctor in front of my name is going to show the kids in Greenfield and all the little Latina girls across the nation, because we're in the 1% club. Like yeah. let's just be real. Only 1% of the doctorates in this nation belong to Latinas. Yeah. And so it's a very finite group that we can now blow out of the water and say, listen, yeah. you can do this too. All you got to do is find the joy of what it is, which is what my dissertation is all about. My dissertation yeah. is about the secret sauce to the superintendency. And I'm interviewing national superintendents across the nation on, you know, how did you stay longer than five years in this seat so that yeah. you too can have a recipe to be able to replicate this if you so choose. Um, and then the final thing I would say um, that I'm still just so much joy is leading organizations and affinity groups that help our people, like really help our people know that anything's possible. Mm. And if they want to be a president, the president of Alas, if they want to be the president of Calsa, they want to be on the board for ASA national yeah. organization. Like I want them to know it's possible because mm. those are the kinds of things that I was able to do, am able to do, and will continue to do. Being sitting at a table with people who make change happen mm. and advocate whether it's an affinity group or a larger organization like ASA, you know, being having um, our people, when I say our brown people, Latinos and Latinas sitting at that table and voicing and advocating for, it makes it possible. Yeah. And so that work is not done because again, nationally, 1% of our Latinas have doctorates and only I about- I mean, 1% of people have doctorates. Yeah. And so that really- like shows how small that number is. And yeah. being being at Alas, you would have a completely different perspective. I'm like, half of y'all got doctorates, right? <laughs> and so that yeah. says a lot. Like, you know, it's a small but mighty group. That's powerful. Um, I, So what are you doing sitting on this podcast? You have so much other stuff to do besides talking to me. <laughs> um, I love it, though. I love it, though. The, the drive to continue to learn and innovate and build and lead and that everything always comes back to your community. That's that's such a powerful thing. And I'm speaking as somebody who just learned that I should be graduating a year from June with mine. And so um, it's just giving me that kind of motivation. It's a small club um, that, that I mean, congratulations on, on that. Um, so another place where you've kind of done a little bit of dabbling is in, is in publishing. And I, and I'll, I'll sort of, I'll sort of share this perspective. So at in San Antonio, there's a picture that um, that I snapped because Leticia Ordaz actually asked me to take the picture of everybody. And it's like you, it's Leticia, it's uh, Leanne Salazar Montoya from UNLV. Um, Y'all are all just, and you've got your hat on. It's like this whole vibe. Where is it that, that kind of publishing and, and sharing these stories is yet another place where you're like, this is a place to make a difference. This is a place to make change. Yeah, so for sure. I mean, being an author, and that was my first publication in writing that. And my, my chapter was all on artificial intelligence. Yeah, I read it. Why our people, <laughs> yeah, and why our people need to be 
you know, exposed to that because of the importance of knowing that, you know, children that are normally marginalized also have access, should have access and opportunity to succeed. And so being an author just goes to show that we have a lot to say and a lot to write about that can impact so many people. And so that in itself being asked and, you know, Dr. Maria Armstrong, who I just adore as our executive yeah. director, created opportunities like this yeah. for others. She could have kept it to herself, but she didn't want to. She said, no, you know, this yeah. is all about how many different voices across the nation can we elevate to model for others that you can do this too. And so being able to write, being able to um, share that with the world and impact students, because the book is all about STEAM yeah. and how do we bring more science and technology, engineering in the arts and math into the world of Latinos so that they know that it doesn't matter if you don't get it now, but you yeah. will get it soon. Yeah. And we're going to make able to do that. So that impact, yeah. um, being able to share that with the world is exciting. And, it, and it's a great chapter, uh, folks. You got to pick up this book. I'll post it when I promote this episode. Um, but this chapter is really good. There's a lot of people out here writing about AI in schools, but not all of it is equal. And some of the people really doing the powerful work, you're one of them. Uh, Dr. Chris Bond is another one who's written some beautiful stuff and researched a bunch of things there. So definitely check that out. Something that you said, um, you know, that kind of carried over in the last two questions about just being able to make things happen, make things be true. Um, you're an artist, like you really are, in the sense that I think of Picasso's quote, anything you can imagine is true. Anything you imagine is reality. And I think that's so powerful, especially like there are so many ways to look at where you are and tell a completely different story, right? And say, well, I'm in a district where there's 90% poverty, right? And it, and then here we have Silicon Valley, how terrible, how unjust. And yeah, there's injustice that's there, but also to say, yo, it's right there, kids. It is right there. You don't even have to move out of your mom's house to go and contribute yep. in that world and to be able to make those things a reality. So that's super powerful. Um, so a couple more questions and then I'll let you to your day. But um, so- I and a lot of others who listen to this podcast and listen to Two Dope Productions, we fetch around three to 4,000 downloads a month of people just trying to hear these stories. A lot of us are aspiring to find leadership, to find the leadership within ourselves. What's a piece of advice you can offer to our gente who would aspire to lead meaningful and powerful work in their spaces? Oh, that's a great question. I Thank would you. say first and yes, first and foremost, find someone who's already doing something that you want to do because mentorship is incredible. So when I find another superintendent who is like jamming, like they are doing some really great things, I call them. They may not even know me, but I'll <laughs> message them and say, hey, I really admire what you're doing. How'd you get started? Can you give me like just 15 minutes? I just want to start a conversation with you um, and then learn about what they're doing. So my advice to people is find someone who is already emulating what you aspire to be and learn from them. Mm -hmm. Along that journey, I would also say, write it down. 
once you speak it into the universe, whatever you want to be, and you write it down, yeah. that dream has now become a reality. Yeah. A dream yeah. becomes a reality because you Sling speak it, it so into again. existence. Yes. Yeah. If you want to start a podcast, write down like how to do it. Yeah. And it's also not that do? hard. Y'all can do it. Hit me up. <laughs> it's easy. I love it. See, like, <laughs> and tell stories. Oh my God. Storytelling is amazing. Yeah. Like just lifting up and storytelling is something, you know, this is a Chicano Logs podcast. Like what are Chicano people have so many stories to tell oh, yeah. about oh, what yeah. they've done and overcome and just giving value to our ancestors who just worked so hard right. for you and I to be in this space right now. That's right. Telling our you didn't just happen to be here. Right. We got Somebody's a superintendent of the year and a teacher of the year, like having a conversation <laughs> yes. about education. Right? And it's all from our positionality as gente. Like that, I didn't even think about that. That's beautiful. Yes. <laughs> it's so amazing. By the way, congratulations. That is so deserving of you. You're just an amazing person that gives off this aura of just love and light for kids and people. Thank you. So I just Thank you. want you to know that too. For me, it's Thank not you. something. I appreciate that, that. So many people see that. Yeah, Absolutely. I appreciate um, it. Going back to your question, I mean, just emulate somebody that you see is doing what you're doing. Ask them about it. How do they do it? They're willing to share. Absolutely. Yeah. Like I would, I would immediately set up a time to talk with people if they want to do what I'm doing. Um, the second part is write it down, speak it into existence, have a plan. What does it yeah. look like? If you want to be a teacher, there it is. I remember many of the moms of the children that I taught here in Greenfield that had just incredible potential. And I convinced many of them to like go back to school. Like one of the teachers that I have on my teaching force right now, she says, I'll never forget when you told me I could do this and look at me, she's teaching, you know, in our district. It's like simple little things oh, of conversation yeah. that can transform, transform yeah. them. And so I would say that. And then in that journey of what you want to find and your plan to do it, make sure that it's something that you love because mm. then it's not yeah. It's got to be something that you love. Yeah. Not that your friend loves, not that somebody else wants you to love, but what Not that you, you think someone else thinks you should love. Yeah. yeah. Right. And what wow, you think the, the community thinks you should do. Like, no, 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 no. Because yeah. when you do what you love, you light up. Yeah. Like I light up when I get to talk about kids, when I get to talk about my family, when I get to yeah. talk about robotics, when I get to talk about opportunities, yeah. like I, when I get to bring people into our district to see what we're doing, like the secret sauce and our jamming over here, because it's not really secret, like everybody yeah. can do it. But those kinds of things bring purpose and Ugh. passion. I love that. I love that. And like, I think that I think he, he, like now those those things like it's it still takes the work and that's what sustains you. But I think those things we talk about lighting up when you are talking about your passion when you are working towards it. I mean, I think we see that anyone who's spent five minutes with you sees that in you. And, uh, and I think you are truly living what you say. All right. Now, now we got the big question. This is the only one that the Alice superintendent of the year was sort of anxious about. And when you weren't really sure how you're going to answer. Um, I, I love music. I think music is a way for us to, to connect in ways that aren't always about, a job and aren't always about tasks. And even like, like when I get people's like top fives, I learn something about that person that I can't even articulate. I'm like, I just, I can, I can imagine people listening to music. Music's a big deal. Uh, for me, when I was in seventh grade, I thought I was going to be a rapper. Um, and so music and expression is like really important. So uh, 
ALAS National Superintendent of the Year, Sandra Jo Galvan, future doctora, Sandra Jo Galvan. What is your top five? First, what do you listen to? What kind of music do you listen to? And I think I think I know what you're going to say, but what kind of music do you listen to and what's your top five? Oh, top five. Oh, my Lord. Okay. Uh, no. yeah. Oh, let me give you some rules about the top five, just really quick. Okay. So it does not have to be a ranking. So hierarchies are, um, they're, they're not something that exists in non-Western cultures. Um, giftedness is everyone's. And so it doesn't have to be a ranking. It can be. Um, it doesn't have to be an individual. So you could have like a group be in your top five. Uh, so Wu-Tang Clan, for example, would count as one entry. It wouldn't have to be everybody. Um, and then the other thing is this, this doesn't have to be permanent. This is not going to be a receipt that people should bust out in 10 years. It's a snapshot of a moment that you're in right now. So it may change and it may not, but it's, you know, it kind of lives in this moment. And I think that's what we want to do it. So hopefully that um, gives you a little bit of calm to say, all right, like, here we go. I see you thinking hard. If you're not on, if you're listening to this on the podcast version, you don't see you're like thinking hard, putting that scholarly mind, uh, you know, to work. So whenever you're ready, I'm ready. Hmm. Yeah. Right. So let me see one more. Uh, one more. Hold on. This is happening in real time, y'all. It's happening real in time, real guys. time. Yep. Yes. We're getting this authentic moment with uh with Sandra Joe. It's it's amazing. Oh my yeah. goodness. See the gears. See, she's like see. she's like oh, carry the carry the one. Pressure. Uh let's see. <laughs> uh okay. All right, I think I'm ready. All right, I'm ready if you're ready. By the way, okay. this will also be on a playlist no that, that comes with the episode. So in yeah. no particular order. Okay, okay, okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. So the first one, no particular order that I love, I love, I love is uh, Pretty Girls Walk Like This. This. Hey. this. All the pretty girls walk yes. like this. <laughs> Big Boss Vet. Yeah. All right. If, so that song. Yes. You missed Why the performance. If y'all are like not watching this on YouTube, yes. you missed this oh, amazing performance. Pretty girl. Because Love. when you channel that, everybody's a pretty girl. Like when mm. you woman up and you say, you know what? I'm going to fix my crown. There Love may it. be days when it falls off my head, yep. but my girls remind me that who I am and what I bring. And so when I walk, I walk with that pretty girl swag. I love it. In my head. And I want yep. every woman to woman up and play that song. Okay. Oh, so, love but, it. Yes. Okay. The other one that I want to say is uh, Rise Up by Andrew Day. Okay. Yes. So, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. And down and tired. Of living life on a roller coaster, like just the when things hit us and we get knocked down. Yeah. People, when we get knocked down, it's all about the rise. Yeah. When we rise from the ashes, we rise up fiercer, stronger, and with conviction to do more and be better. And with every knockdown, we get stronger. Yeah. So life is 
about a journey and we are going to get knocked down. It's just a given, but it's in rise from those ashes that we learn and we grow and become better. So that's so beautiful. Like I had a, I was literally listening to a song this morning uh, by future where one of the lyrics was, I was born in the ashes. Of course, I'm going to rise. And it's just like, It's so there's something in the universe. Absolutely. Because that's the thing is it's not about getting it perfect the first time. It's about the come up, right? It's about, okay, like I, I took a risk and I had to learn this in my journey was that leaving the classroom after a very successful 23 year classroom career to come down here and see if I could make an impact institutionally, like I have experienced a lot of failures on the way, but I have to honor the fact that it took courage to actually put myself out there and put myself in a position to not succeed the first time. So I love that. The the rising, the ashes, I'm here for all of it. All right. So far, yeah. you're killing it. Those two. All right. Now, <clears throat> the other one that I love, and it's the jam that we always have to play at every single party. It just, it's the boss. It's the boss jam. Like everybody's a boss, whether you're a mom raising a household or you're uh, a sister going to college or you're a little girl, you know, getting ready to do that presentation in front of your class or you're the superintendent. This song is by Los Tucanes de Tijuana. De Tijuana. (laughs) La Chona. La Chona. Oh my God. Yes. Oh, that's so funny. It's just, dun, 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 you know, just jumping up and just like, oh, La Chona is one that just gets people on their feet. And that's on my playlist. I, I love think this one. is the first appearance by Los Tucanes on one of our top fives. Congratulations. Uh, it's been go, way too long. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. And just it was that fire. And now it's it, like, this was a fire list. And now it's literally the sun. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I know if you it. can hear it. It's on the- there it is. There it is. Let's go. Woo! That's right. That's right. All right. So that's definitely. I love that. My top, my top five. Y'all got to go to YouTube. There's been two dance numbers already. 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 And then the. I love it. I love it. And, and music is my jam. Like I, every morning. Um, I am most definitely um, listening to something yep. to just, it's part of my wellness. You routine. can tell people, you can tell people who love music, like really love music. Not, this isn't, oh, yeah. this ain't no background sound for you. This is like real. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. This other one I'm going to pull up for you is another right. one. That, is, what, growing up, this. growing up, you know, in a family that, uh, you know, overcomes adversity and just really make sure that what they do and they lead, they lead with that, that anything you can come out of anything and not to be concerned because things are temporary. And once you realize the rut that you're in is a temporary rut, it's not a lifelong thing. It doesn't define you. you. It doesn't define you. Mm. It's this song Mm. right here that I love. Let me see right here. Don't worry about me. I'm gonna be alright. Got you deep all over my life. Don't worry about me. That's it. Don't worry about me. I'm gonna be alright. Got you 
P-O-D. Test my patience. I'm not breaking. I got up every time I failed. That's it. And so just thinking about, don't worry about me. Yeah. It's just mindset. It's yeah. a mindset for your listeners that see, you know, they think about, man, this thing that I'm going through right now feels like it's eternal and it's never yeah. going to stop. But knowing yeah. that, no, 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 we got this. We got this. You got people on your side. You got um, organizations on your side and that don't worry about me is most yeah. definitely. Um, I, lo my, I love that. I mean, it, and it, and this is like a hard lesson that I had to learn during a crisis of my own leadership is that I am not the sum of my pain. I may have pain. I've experienced pain. It doesn't mean that I am pain and that that's what defines me. This is like, th this is some uh, real energy here. Um, all yeah. right. So we got four tracks right. and you, you're killing the game right now. So, all right. And the last one is my, probably my most favorite artist on the planet. Whenever okay. I go to watch his concerts, I'm on my feet the whole time, okay. whole time. He brings big energy. Um, mm. He's a Florida boy, Miami. Mr. 305 will always get me on my feet. And this song right here, he has a lots that I love. But this one is essentially what I don't want to ever stop. Like hmm. people who are in this world, like never, ever, ever allow anyone to define you, to diminish your light, to dim it in any way, be your true, beautiful self, live out your life to your standard. Yeah. And this is that. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. Y'all ready for this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't stop the party. And that is the final, final number five on my list. Don't ever stop the party. Keep it going. The, Keep it going. This Go was... On. This was the best top five ever in the history of Two Dope Productions. <laughs> it was interactive. We got samples. Totally we got dancing. We got <laughs> sing-along. Like, that was amazing. Santa Joe, have you thought about a future in podcasting? Because you would be you a know, whole vibe. I think I have a friend I'd love to merge with in, in Colorado. I got you. I got you. We'll talk about that coming soon. Um, I love it. Doctora, I'm going to call you Doctora. We're manifesting things. Um, thank you so much for just spending this time with me. I know superintendents are mad busy. You're out there with the kids. You're out there with the community. I don't even know why you have a desk in an office because your office is the world that we all live in. How do people um, follow you, like learn from you, get connected to the work that you are doing? Yeah, so love it. I would love to um, connect with people that are, are your listeners out there. And so on Twitter or X, I'm at ZJ Galvan. And then on Instagram and Facebook, it's my full name, uh, Xander Joe Galvan. And then on Instagram, it's at Zan Galvan. And then on LinkedIn, my full name as well, Xander Joe Galvan. And 
And the Joe funny story is my dad's name is Jose and he goes by Joe. So all the oh, that's amazing. my dad. Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, on all those four platforms. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, can't wait to get this episode in front of people. I hope you have a wonderful holiday season and, um, and you know, we'll, we'll stay connected. You've been a mentor to me as for thousands of other people who've gotten to be in your energy. Uh, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. This is the best hour I've got to spend all day. Thank you so yes, much. It's great.